shows where we had over 100, 200 people. And then there's been shows when there was only two people, you know, like we're right now and stuff. Like you have to be used to all these things. It should not be a shock. It should not be like, oh, I don't want to do the show anymore. Cause uh, no, 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 dude. Like there's a lot that goes into it. Even if it's a hot show or like a small show, you still got to give it. All right. Like at the end of the day, think of it as a workout still. Like when you go work out, uh, you know, you're not playing around with the weights, you know, otherwise you're going to hit yourself in the foot or something, you know? So get to work, do the thing. All right. So again, um, the partnering is up to you. I would suggest uh, working with people that you first off trust, <laughs> uh, respect, and that could communicate to you. All right. So just FYI, I'll get a little bit more into that. Uh, I just want to get into like some pros of producing and then some cons. Uh, the pros of producing is that you create stage time for the community. This is huge because this is what keeps the community running, all right? You know, it just helps overall. Not only that, because of that, you are connecting with the comedy scene. Uh, when the brainwash was going on, I felt like I had a pulse on like the city of San Francisco. And the reason being, I wasn't watching news or like all too much, but I was hearing the, the comedians what they were saying, what, their, what the new pop culture was and so forth. And they were informative. That was my news media right there. Were they sometimes a little bit off? Yeah. But you know what? That's live sometimes, right? Uh, another pro is that you get to create your own style of comedy and or show, all right? That means if you want to add burlesque, if you want to add fire dancers and stuff like that, this is the time to get creative. Obviously, that comes with like a, a price. So FYI, like... You want to invest, but at the same time, think of it as an investment, all right? You're not just spending money, even if you don't get it back. Like, you're still investing a lot into this. And you should be putting your heart behind it, because otherwise, why are you doing it, you know? Uh, also, too, uh, its benefit is you get a stage time. Exchanging stage time, it helps you out. Again, you open it up. So because of that, there will be doors open for you. And sometimes you will be still overlooked, but that's okay. Then you just keep on doing your thing, all right? And then... Uh, the cool part, I feel, after producing so many shows, is that you really get to, if you're a performer as well, you really get to see how you fit into a show. You know, like, when a booker books you for your lineup, and, you, you know, you might be, like, first, and you're like, I don't want to go first and stuff, but that booker might have had the intent that, you know what, you know, he's going to open it up because I like where he's at, you know? So that's why you get to see where you're at in a show, and if you want to host... If you want a feature or if you want a headline, you got to get prepared. So this is a cool way to kind of like figure out where you fit in a show and what each part of the show is. Now the cons. The cons is that there is lots of follow-up. You have to keep on like tracking people down. You have to keep on giving people information even though you told them like five times. Like there are people who are lost and confused in this community and they need some direction. So because of that, you got to do that. Um, Another con is dealing with comedians, establishments, venues, and or audience. All right. Uh, comedians, obviously, were like a lot of sensitive egos. So you have that. Uh, venues, establishments, you know, sometimes you get a nice partnership with a venue and they just want you to set up, do the show. It's like sometimes it's like you get half the bar if you hit a certain point or something like that. Um, other times there's venues that won't give you anything. And they expect you to pack the house with no extra help, promotion, and so forth. So when it comes to that type of stuff, uh, just be aware of the partnerships you're getting into. 
all right because like don't fuck yourself over pretty much <laughs> all right okay um and then another one is that it's a lot of time wait can you go back to the audience thing oh the audience yes but like it, controlling an audience or what if an audience is rowdy how do you calm them down what if they try to grab the microphone from you like all that kind of weird what if they're drunk so we'll be getting into that i have after i get into the hosting we're good there's a section for hecklers so yeah i got that coming along but with the audience in this particular start uh yeah sometimes you get people are coming out to a show and they got problems in their own lives all right and they might look at you and you might remind them of an ex you know that treated them wrong and because of that they don't like you you know they simply are just judging you and that's part of coming on the stage you are open to judgment so you have to accept that so that way you don't i'll get a little bit more into the audience like how to deal with hecklers in a little bit uh also a con is setting up the online if you're dealing with equipment if you have to set up the equipment that's all extra time but you need like an extra 15 minutes here an extra 15 minutes and next thing you know you added an extra two hours to what you already thought was just going to be an hour and a half show. So just letting you that know. Uh, and then a con is telling people no, which can sometimes be a pro, but a lot of times, you know, no one likes to hear the word no. And at the same time, um, don't let people step over you, you know? So if, if there's like an, someone that, whether it's an audience member being out of control, like too many whiskeys or something like that, you could tell them no. Uh, with comedians who are being like, I'm going up next. I'm like, no, you know, like, chill, all right? So FYI, uh, the power of no is very powerful, but at the same time, use it wisely, okay? And then, uh, again, uh, if you are unable to fill all these tasks, find other people that are organized, uh, communicative, and depending on your character, someone who has more energy or is chill. So you need like a little opposite to kind of bounce ideas off of and stuff like that. You don't want to be around the same people with the same mindset and not because it's like, oh, they're not gonna be friendly and stuff, but because uh, when you are working with people who are different personalities than you, uh, you're challenged. And you're challenged to break out of your own mold. Uh, your ideas will be questioned. And it's hopefully for the sake of making the show great. Like sometimes again, the egos might get involved, but then that's up to you to personally judge on what you feel, all right? Uh, when it comes to setting up the lineup, I think this is something that's overlooked by a lot of producers still. They just kind of put a lineup together. And yeah, sometimes it's because people are double booked, so you got to put them up and so forth like that. But if you have control of the full lineup, uh, within the first two comics, you should really have someone who's experienced. Someone who's been in the game for a little bit. Uh, someone who's seen a lot of different crowds. So that way, even if it's a small or big, it's they're able to handle it and it puts the show on a good uh, kind of thing. If the show is slow by the end of the third comic, uh, good luck, all right? <laughs> it's gonna be a slow night, y'all, all right? So just FYI, uh, by that third comic, you should have a feel of what the mood of the show is going to be. So and, and you could make some adjustments, but that's the starting off right there. A uh, big one that I think a lot of people need to hear is diversify your lineup. Diversify your lineup. It helps keep people guessing. Plus, you get to see a lot of different comedies. And unless it's a theme show, you know, like, so if it was, like, Latino hot, hot Nights or something, then I could see that, you know? But, like, if it's not a theme show, then you should really try and get people from different backgrounds, different groups. That way you get a lot of voices represented. And you don't really get, like, a less, less amount of, like, pushback if, like, being, like, the cancel culture and stuff. 
Because then if everyone's well represented, then that's a lot of problems just taken off the board. Do, do you have any stories about like an all white lineup or where you've seen a lineup where you were, where it didn't work or it did work? So um, Julie Ash and I, uh, we've been doing some shows because we now like live on together on the same floor type of thing. And so we've been uh, going to shows recently and we are always the non if you're a person of color, Chances are you're going to be questioned more. You're going to get a little bit more pushback. So FYI, go into it knowing like this is a possibility. So the cool part about hosting too is that you do get to address racism, sexism, all the isms if you really wanted to. So just FYI. Uh, once you have that balanced lineup, uh, I always had the best shows with that. So with this uh, Crow's Nest show, um, I went on and then... I did my thing. I had to like, like there was like a, cu a couple in the very front that was just like being like super like, I need my attention on me type of thing. Cause there's audience member who comes to the show and think that it's about them, you know? And it's like, nah, no, nah. like it's not how it works and stuff. And you know, it was easy to kind of like make some jokes off of them and stuff. But then Julie went on and same thing. They were giving it to her type of thing. And like, then Michael Mancini gets on and then the crowd is hushed, you know, they're listening. And I'm just like, that's just how sometimes it works. Like, so FYI, you can run into the situations. Uh, just know where you're at in society, what your role is, and how you can use that to your advantage. But at the same time, uh, the awareness of becoming. So that's how sometimes like the things work. Julie and I are pretty much going into every show now thinking that um, we're going to be the only non-male white guys type of thing. And sure enough, we're two for two. <laughs> So it, it, and we even called out like the lineup of how it was going to be for, at the previous show, and it kind of went the route that we thought about on the talk over. So it, when you kind of like know, uh, it kind of goes like go back to the whole how a show flows. So that's how you kind of like get a feel of that. All right. Um, and then the last thing of setting up the lineup, um, I like booking the headliner first and then building around them. So that way you know exactly how to balance that lineup. So once you got your headliner, that's a big chunk of the show. And now it's like, it should be easier to fill the other spots. So that would be the last thing, all right? Can you address bringers? Bringer shows. Bringer shows, yeah. Bringer shows. Okay, so there is uh, bringer shows in the community. Um, I also look at it as every show is a bringer show. You know, like you gotta, like, if you want to make it big in this entertainment world, you're going to have to bring people. And, you know, if it's tough bringing five, ten people right now, like, what happens if you wanted to sell out stadiums? You know, like, that's a lot of more people. So with the Bringer Show, it's interesting dynamics. I think they've gotten a lot better from, like, when I first started and to where they're at now. They're a lot more developed. But a Bringer Show is pretty much, uh, technically, it's typically, like, new people who've been doing it for less than a year, maybe less than two years, depending but they got friends, you know, which a lot of comedians have worn out with their comedy over the years. So when you have new people, they are able to bring the show and hence the bringer term and they're able to put seats in the butt and they're supporting their friend, which, you know, it's probably like the first or second time seeing them and they're just like, yeah, but like they might not be their friend afterwards, you know? <laughs> so, but at the same time, it's cool because the experienced developed comedians that are booked on the show pick up the show that much better. But you could tell the difference of a bringer show when someone's like brand new to when someone's been doing it for a while. 
So the bringer shows are, I, I again, ha overall have been get developing really nicely. Um, it's a great way to get traction for people coming to shows, you know, to start off and stuff, so forth. Um, but at the same time, every person can probably, like, can bring, like, two shows or three shows, possibly. So you're going to wear people out at some point. So that's why you, it's a good way to start with traction, but you still got to build off, off, off of that. So again, kind of going back to newsletter media. Um, any questions, by the way, right now? Like, uh, anything else? Oh, I have a question about the actual, when you're lining up the numbers. So sometimes I'll put newer people at the beginning, but then I think, oh no, I want the audience to be hot and I don't want them to mess up. But then I also don't want more seasoned comedians to think, ugh, she's having me go first. Does she hate me now? Yeah. Did you, how do you balance that out? Yeah, um, you're not going to make everybody happy. You know, like, I, I know there's plenty of times where I have put people in spots that they did not want to, but for the sake of the show, that's where I felt was the best move. So that's your power as a producer. You know, again, you have the power to do the show how you want to do it. So don't allow anyone else to be, make you feel like, you're not doing your best work here, all right? So, like, a lot of people just, uh, again, it's easy to c come in, do seven, ten minutes, and leave. It's very easy to do that, all right? And that's a little therapy session right there, all right? But to come in to, like, pre-book, do all these extra things at the beginning, then stay for the entire show, then also close out the show if there needs to be stuff like that, that's a lot. So... If you're going to produce a show, get ready to use it, kind of see it as a part-time job, all right? That you might not get paid for, but hey, I think a lot of us are doing those type of jobs, right? All right. Uh, so now I'm going to get into the hosting side, all right? Hosting. So again, uh, this part right here, you can get uh, other people to do so. It's up to you. Uh, a host, a good characteristics for hosts is uh, they have to be somewhat likable, you know? You can't, like, it's tough when you have someone who has, like, very dark humor that is just talking about, like, throwing bodies or something in the trash can. You're like, come on. Like, that, that is, you're going to have a little bit tougher time connecting with the audience. Because the audience is a, a blind set of strangers, and you, there's no trust when, when you do get up there. Like, yeah, like, you'll get a little bit trust, again, going back to how your role is in society and so forth. Uh, if it's a like a, a show that's like your demographic, then you'll have a little bit extra trust and stuff. But you have to build the trust as a host. So that's why uh, personality helps. Uh, the host has to open the show and keeps it moving. Uh, I do feel a lot of hosts do too much in between. Do they do too much in between? And I'll get a little bit more into that. Give me some details. But I just want to kind of throw it out there first. And then, uh, depending on the show flow, sometimes it's more or sometimes it's less time as a host. You have to recognize that. You know, you, you really have to be well aware of the audience, of the moment, of just that, that whole present. Because uh, that's the only way you're going to get that trust. Once you got the trust, then they're going to listen to you. Once they're listening to you, then you can tell your jokes. All right? Because now they'll hear your punchlines. Whereas if they don't trust you, they're not listening, uh, they're, they're just going to hear your punchline and be like, where's, I don't get it, you know? So FYI, uh, pros of being a host is uh, typically accepted by the audience. Like the audience is under the idea that this is the host. This is going to be the person that's going to be presenting us this entire night. So they got to get adjusted. All right. So because of that, you kind of like 
should have a little bit more leeway with audience. Uh, one of the big things, you get to be funnier quicker and you, more natural. Because like, uh, when it comes to hosting, it's not, again, like coming in and you're doing your set that you wrote, then you, this is what you're going to get. When it comes to hosting, you're, there's going to be those hecklers, there's going to be random stuff, you're going to come out of nowhere, and when it comes to that, like those type of laughs can be some of your biggest laughs. So FYI, if you really want to knock it all out, it's like people like that. It, like that was a special moment for all of us, you know? Like a lot of people like look at Kevin Hart and stuff like that and be like, oh, well, he kills it every time. It's like, yeah, but he, people know him. It goes back to the trust, you know? So like once people trust you, then like you could barely just step on stage and you're going to be hilarious. So like the first, anytime you go see a big act, that first 15, 20 minutes when they're just talking random BS to the people and they're getting huge crafts, uh, it's because the, the audience knows them, they trust them, and they're just letting them do whatever. And you pretty much don't get their actual set till like 15 minutes in. You know, when they're settled and stuff like that, and it's just like, so FYI, but once you get a show where a lot of people know you, 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 you have the ability to rock it. So FYI, use that to your advantage. All right, um, being a host too is probably the easiest way to get booked. All right, because that is one of the most, uh, it's one of the strongest points of the show, but at the same time, a lot of people don't want to do it. A lot of people are scared of it or whatever, and it makes them have to kind of kind of break out of their mold and so forth. But at the same time, you are going to grow so much. So, like, the, the, my biggest growth came in Brainwash, and it was, like, Tony's first time taking a vacation. And he left for, like, a month or something like that and in that month i grew so much and it was because of all the hosting time you know i couldn't find because again not everyone wanted to host and so it kind of fell on me if, if, if you're the producer and you can't find a host then chances are you might have to host so fyi that's just how it goes but it was great because you got a free burger yeah that i looked forward to that every tuesday i was like it's my tuesday i'll get my burger and cosme and uh, pam was like uh you had that weekly Wednesday it was on show. Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday spot. I loved yeah. it. I loved I looked forward every week to that fucking burger. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. And I that's, miss Brainwash so much. And that's a good partnership establishment right there. Like well, and with, when you partner with an establishment like you talked about earlier and you feed your hosts, that makes the host so much happier. And it's another perk to hosting. Like you can get food and drink. And if you're fucking starving, yeah. and that's your that was my one meal in a day, but it was enough. I'd eat half and I'd save the other half for later or for the morning. And just access to food like that changed my life. So yeah, the crow's nest is uh, Santa Cruz is pretty nice because uh, it's a nice like like seventy five dollar payout, and then you get a nice. I had a skirt steak, so yeah, it ended up being like a hundred bucks and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I had to drive to Santa Cruz, but it, it was you know like you gotta look at it like that, you know like uh, yes, a meal for a comedian is a lot. <laughs> so uh, at the brainwash uh, when we would have other producers, we'd get them a meal. Uh, they would be able to get tips if they got tips and so forth. So it's kind of like making it accessible to them. So um, as far as a uh, hosting too, you get to have more fun. You get to play around a lot more with the audience. So r really try and have fun. Um, you know, it's, it's a nice, easy way. And it's also the most consistent payment, all right? The most consistent payment as far as either cash experience and or new jokes. So hosting does a lot of benefit. If you really want to grow in comedy, and become funny, like really funny, host. Okay? You're going to be thrown in the lion's pit, but 
wear your loincloth and fight on, y'all, okay? Okay, the cons of being a host is that all the egos you have to interact with, all right? There are a lot of egos, and they're fragile, and they might not, like, have the proper communication styles and whatever might be going on in their lives, all right? Uh, because of that, you're going to be interacting with a lot of people. Uh, if necessary, you got to keep track of time and doing the light, which, you know, if you're having a couple drinks and you're like, Wait a minute, has it been five minutes or has it been 10 minutes, you know? So FYI about that. Uh, it it kind of sucks sometimes because uh, you can't do your actual full set sometimes because you're more, your responsibility is to get the, gather the room, is to get the room going. And so that's why you sometimes have to, that means like your set might have to be put to the side. So FYI. And then typically the host is there for the entire show. So make sure to, you know, just get ready and accept it that you're going to be there all night. Because then that way you, it's not going to be so tough. Uh, very communicative. And depending on the character, someone, oh, that was my previous last one right there. You know? So going back to opening the show. It's about gathering the room. Uh, when you first start off, you know, give it up for the establishment and the waitstaff. You know, that's going to be the biggest way to connect the room. Because guess what? If they're getting served drinks, they're going to just applaud more because it's alcohol, you know? So when you do that, it helps out. Uh, work the room. And this is a tactic. I, I don't know if anyone else has tried this, but figure out the angle of the room of where the stage is. And then now slice the room. So that means you're working the room like you're, to open up. So Mr. Sean, thank you so much for wearing that sweatshirt right there. You remind me of a good summer day right there. Then my good man over there who's rolling out over there. Oh, well, thank you so much for uh, doing that stuff that you do, you know, just working the room, kind of getting people involved just to let them know that they are part of the experience. You know, they are here. It's not just you, me, it's us thing. All right, when it's a, a, if this night's great or this day's great, it's because of all of us. If it's fucked up, it's because of all of y'all. You get that? How that works, you know? So, uh, and then you, depending on the room, like I would say cut an angle, so then that way you just kind of, you, you're kind of making a pizza pie, if that makes sense, you know? So you're just letting everyone know that they might have their slice coming up sooner or something like that, all right? And it helps keep people on their toes, and they're more still, like, attentive. Because they're like, oh, I'll, if he comes talk to me, like, I want to be sure I'm going to say the right thing and stuff. People are very, uh, people are funny <laughs> overall. Um, also, too, uh, in your opening set, it's about warming up the crowd. And you would like it to be hot for the first comic. Um, a lot of times it's not, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, you're still warming up the room. Um, I look at it as a host. And even like the opener as a leadoff person in baseball. So the leadoff person is just meant to kind of test out the pitches of the pitcher. Try and get a high pitch count to see what the different type of tactics is. So that's the thing I want you to do as a host. Is to kind of just interact as you're working the room. You're interacting. You're getting information. Even though you might not be getting a laugh, you're still getting information. So with the info, you could, could get laughs later. So does that make, kind of make sense? Okay, okay, so, and then uh, hecklers. Hecklers, this wonderful, wonderful section of life that is sometimes, a lot of times, not wanted, but uh, it is there, all right? Uh, first off, uh, do not ignore them. If there are people talking in the corner and stuff and say, like, hey, thank you for talking to my dream, you know? Like, but at least acknowledge them. 
because the and the, here's the thing too don't start with the question to them because chances are if they're already talking they're already thinking about themselves so if you ask them a question they're going to talk more about themselves so like uh that's why like start off with the thank i, I say kill them with kindness because like you know thank you even if you're like, there was, like, one show where it's like, hey, thank you, man. I thought you were going to be a complete asshole, but you're not, you know? <laughs> I'm looking at my judgments again. And it, it, that helps, like, kind of diffuse people so they're not going to be on edge. Because, so like, it's, it's when they're, like, on edge that they'll come back with an aggressive comment or they think they're the life of the party type of thing. So FYI about that. Uh, you can use the aggressive behavior. You should keep it in your back pocket. But at the same time, if you start off with like that, because someone's like just ignoring you, like, hey, man, shut the fuck up, you're going to connect, disconnect the audience. You know, they're going to look at you and be like, oh, this guy's losing his cool. You know, he, 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 you, you may not no longer be a comedian. You just might be like a, like a person, like not being able to handle another person. So just FYI, if you want to use that, you should really use it as a back pocket, though. And typically, too, um, use the staff, if there is staff, to your advantage. So like um, you know you like you could say hey Mr. Security guy we got a, we got someone on the watch list you know that type of thing just to bring awareness you know just to be like hey watch out for this dude but at the same time like um, the biggest strength though is once you have the connection of the audience you have the audience the audience is there to see the show the audience wants you to be funny they they want a good time so that's why when it comes to these hecklers like. You have to let them know that, like, all right, you're kind of kicked out of the circle of trust here when you're being an asshole, you know? So that's why it's good to address them, but you got to kind of do it in a casual way. And, again, the code, say, start off with a thank you just because, like, it can help diffuse them initially. And then after that, you could tear, them, tear their butthole up, you know? <laughs> what if they try to – what do you feel about if they try to grab the mic? Has that ever happened to you in an audience? Oh, yeah. A real drunk person? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, so uh, if you grab the mic, uh, I would suggest uh, kind of like basketball tactics, all right? If you're dribbling and the defender's coming at you, you turn, all right? And you turn and you show them that you do not are not going to allow them. If they keep on getting closer, typically nothing's going to happen within five seconds. And if you have people at the show too, they're going to swarm. So you're not alone. When you're up here on the stage, it might feel like you're alone, but at the same time, uh, people want you to actually win. You know, even though as comedians, like, yeah, I'm funnier than that person. But at the same time, if they're funny and you have to be funnier than them, you, everyone's just gets that much better. So a little bit of that, all right? Well, with the hecklers, too, um, you have to understand that these hecklers uh, have problems. <laughs> and they don't know how to express their problems. And that's why they're coming to the show and talking about and, like, calling you out or m maybe something about you triggered them type of thing. But at the same time, like, uh, don't let them, like, uh, dictate the show. All right? If after a while where it's been a couple comedians and stuff, then you could be like, and uh, other comedians are running into the same situation, then you could be like, you know what? You're going to have to leave now. You know? And, like, the show stop up until you leave right now. All right? Like, so it's kind of like kicking a kid out of class. All right? You're like, I don't care where you go, but you can't stay here right now. Um, so that is a big part of producing too. You might have to kick people out. All right. So don't be afraid. Uh, don't uh, take advantage of it, obviously. But a lot of times these people are extremes and very rarely. But at the same time, if you're doing so many shows, 
you're bound to run into people like this at some point. Don't be a, like taken off back and stuff, you know? Remember at Brainwash, we had like that one guy who tried to kar like karate kit the one dude and stuff like that. Like, you know, and he was like, had a face off with him in the alley and stuff. <laughs> there were a couple fights, weird things that happened at the bar. Someone threw a drink once at somebody and a sandwich. Or there, there was fish that was thrown. Something <laughs> I remember. There was, because yeah. I remember Jonathan getting up and he was speaking Spanish, and then the guy's like, "Why is the white boy speaking Spanish to me?" <laughs> yeah, it got very confusing. There, there was definitely a lot of confusing times there, and it's because yeah, these people have problems. Uh, going yeah, back and, to that, and they had, they had cheap booze. Yeah. Yeah, good old whiskey. Uh, what is it? Royal Gate? <laughs> Royal Gate vodka? <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's trippy, like, dealing with these people. But you have to. At some point, you're going to run into them. Especially if you plan to do multiple shows and grow as a performer, you're going to run into these people. So, just uh, any other questions about Hecklin? No? No? Good? All right. Um, I want to get into riffing. So, riffing is huge for hosting, all right? It's the freestyle rap. Of comedy, all right. So you get to just start out of nowhere. You could uh, definitely make comments. Uh, the basic thing that you could do, you can do like, "Hey, what do you do for a living?" If you want to do that to get a conversation going. Uh, the objective of riffing is not to always be funny. Like you would love to be funny all the time, but the objective of riffing is to gather information. Again, once you have information, you have trust. Then you could get a lot of like laughs because people know and you know what's going on. So riffing, if uh, I, I still to this day the best riffer I saw was Kasim Bentley, and this guy would what what I would notice about him is that before the show he would sit in the very very back, and he would be taking notes, and he was making notes about every person that was sitting up front. So when he went into the riffing, he already had a plan, mini set of it, but it looked so natural and it just happened. So just if you want to use that info, you can. And then also, um, I would say punch up unless a person's being a jerk. You know, like if a person's being a jerk, then like, tear them a new one. <laughs> like, uh, but otherwise, uh, like just say, hey, like, hey man, like that jacket it makes me want to go to space right now. You know, just like kind of elevate people. All right, this helps just overall in society. All right, like the more we punch down. Um, your mom jokes, your mom jokes like are, are still like a punch down joke where it's like, it's not creative, it's not really that funny, but it's just like you're attacking someone. So that's why punch up, all right, yeah? Give the uppercuts there. And uh, hosting, or hosting is naturally the quickest way, or riffing is the best way to get funny naturally. Because you have to just stink on your toes all the entire time. So when it comes to the riffing, if I would say, you should probably do 10% of your act all the time of some type of riffing. If, unless you're like a, a big sold out show with like 200, 300 people and they came for the comedy, do your set and so forth. But a lot of these shows, you know, bars and stuff like that, uh, just make sure to uh, get there quicker, get there funny, all right? Thank you, my good man, for coming on in. I appreciate you, sir. Appreciate that jacket too. How was uh, climbing the mountain, sir? You're pretty good. Introducing, all right? So we're in like the hosting section, and this is uh, introducing your acts, all right? Uh, when it comes to the bigger shows, uh, typically you're going to want to ask the performer, uh, do they want any intro? You know, uh, you, 
Some people might have credits. Some people might have like a funny line, like so. Just like a what? Like sometimes I'll tell people like uh, back in the day, I when it was the SF Chronicle comics to watch. Like I'll use that as a credit. Like so they'll say, oh, your next performer was a SF Chronicle comic to watch. Give it up for Anthony Medina. And then you know I use that, and they're like, yeah, I'm a comic to watch because I have a court date at the end of the month. You know. So just like it's an easy way to get a quick laugh and get a quick step in, kind of like getting an easy layup, all right? So think about that, especially when you're at a bigger show, what you would want for your intro. And at the same time, sometimes people just like to keep it pro. Like, you know, they did Comedy Central. They did Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival, like things like that, all right? Uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to giving the stage to the performer, to the whatever it is, because you, again, if you're doing variety, you could have different acts. Uh, you, the objective is to make it hot for them, all right? It's, you, you warm up the room, and then you try and get the show hot. You know, is it 100% all the time? No, no. If you're walking away with like, I would say 30%, that's pretty good, okay? Because it's tough to make a hot show happen with four people, all right? <laughs> so just letting you know, but you could do it, all right? And then uh, when it comes to introducing to Leave your comedy beef outside, you know? Like, this is like the sirens passing through right now. These damn beefs, all right? The audience does not give a fuck about your problems, all right? Like, as for with each other, all right? They just see you as performers, comedians, and so forth. When you start to, like, beef it up, and, like, next thing you know, there's a fly all up in you. I think it's because I wear bright colors. That's why they attracted to me, all right? Uh, but, like, um... It's one of those things where it's like, I understand not everyone's going to get along. There's so many different personalities, especially in this comedy scene and stuff. You're not going to get along with everyone. Uh, at the same time, you may be getting booked on the same shows as them. So you may, there's a good chance you're going to run into them if you're still both performing. Uh, if it comes down to a situation, you can let people know that you do not want to work with this person anymore. That's probably your best way to kind of do that. Otherwise, that beef, that well, whatever it is, y'all got to leave that at all. And then also, too, this whole comedy scene can revert just back to a high school in which everyone just starts gossiping, and it's all just like everyone's pre pretending to have sex a lot, you know? It's like it's not the case, y'all, okay? In between sets. So this is the part where we kind of like talked about earlier with like hosting, uh, where I feel the biggest weakness for a lot of hosts is that they're doing too much in between sets. Your big set is at the open. When you're opening, when you're first touching the stage, that's you opening. As you progress, you have to kind of play off of the comics. All right? Like, uh, there was one comic, and she was, like, talking about, she just recently got COVID. She got uh, breast implants. And, I, I, like, she did her thing. She got off stage. And then I walked down, like, damn, you got breasts? All I got was an ottoman. You know, and then just a little something and then right into the next comic. So it's like a quick little give and go. All right. Think about that. All right. So as a host, it is about you, but it isn't. OK, that's like from the w wonderful Tony Sparks right there. OK, so just FYI about that. Um, riffing works best in between sets, too, you know, just to kind of like it gives the naturalness back. Plus, you're just going off of whatever the other comic did. And if you have material that is relatable to the previous performer, you can throw that in because it looks, it looks like uh, 
you, you're like naturally coming up with it, but in reality, you actually had your material. So just be tactical about that. Uh, if, a, if a comic just bombs, uh, use that as a free chance to kind of like uh, get in some jokes because the, the room is cold again. You have to warm it back up. All right. So use that. But if a comic just killed, just kind of regather the room. I'll give it up for him one more time. So, all right, we're going to keep the show rolling because you have the heat now. When you got that fire, you pack, just keep on passing the fire. You'll get your time. All right. You'll come back to you because you also can close at the end. You know, even after the headliner and stuff, there's shows where you can say a little bit more depending on how it is. If it's a hot show, go with it. Otherwise, if it's a, a bomb show, then you can have, as a host, you have the responsibility to do more. Okay? Um, and then closing out the show. If you're hosting, uh, give it up to the venue and staff again and all the comedians you've seen tonight. <sighs> all right? So that way, uh, mention any social media information. How, when's the next show? You know, already have that ready to go, especially when it's a hot show. Because there now people you have people with the idea like oh this is how their shows always are, so use that to your advantage. Uh, and then thank you, have a good night. And if you're producing, break down. <laughs> all right. But uh, that's been my whole producing hosting info. I hope you all have enjoyed it um, and listened up to it. Uh, give it up for your staff and my wonderful Pam Benjamin, y'all. Yay! Yay! Anthony Medina, thank you so much. I learned a lot, actually, uh, just thinking about I, you, you taught me a lot during that was that was really great. Thank you so much. Uh, all about hosting. You. Rad. Uh, coming up next, we're going to have an open mic and we'll be back. We're going to listen to a little bit more of Conbrio here. There you are, the headliner of the noise pop block party this Saturday here in the mission in the right here in the same district on 20th Street. Uh, Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival gets to open up that their festival at noon on their main stage on 19th street. And then we have shows at Atlas at two and three 30. So get your tickets now uh, for it's Cumbria. Listeners and toot toot the skunk train. Uh, I should have put Christmas music on for this show, but I bailed on that one. Uh, hey, you guys, welcome to the Jingle Hell Hat. Yay! It's Fantastic Comedy Clubhouse here on a Friday at 8 o'clock here at Mutiny Radio. And I've got this hat of Christmas looking of holiday. I don't want to offend anybody. It's a holiday hat. Uh, with all kinds of crazy suggestions in it from people on the internet, uh, plugging them in, and we're going to do Hell Hat tonight. It's going to be very exciting. Uh, I'm super excited. We've got David Zunzu Kersher running the ones and twos, thanks to him. We've got Mike Spiegelman on the door hanging out. I'm, I, hey, I'm your host, Pam Benjamin, tonight. Uh, yeah, that's fun stuff. Hey, we're going to turn the skunk train up a little bit, and um, i got to smoke a bowl. So we'll be right back. 
Stay tuned, listeners, because we have a really great Jingle Hell hat, an incredible lineup, some of my favorite comedians, uh, especially our headliner, Joe Gorman. I, I just love his, just, he's just a magical, magical uh, creature that blesses us with, well, and the, really the lineup tonight is Scrumptural Lesson. We're going to... Turn up a little music and we'll be back after I smoke some pot here. Keeping it choking, big time West Coasting. Home of the purple, land of the graves. This is how the players hustle in the Golden Gates. We don't grind on the block, boy. We sell to the clubs, the dispensary, where they always show love. Self does big fat buds to all of us thugs. Who be getting it done with five horns on the run? Having too much fun stacking huns. And I always got time for a blind. Skunk track, skunk track. All aboard, all aboard, it's gone, train, it's gone, train. All aboard, all aboard. I love my greens in the morning. I love my greens at night. And if you love your greens just like I do, it's gone, train to take you for a ride. It's gone, train. Man, you smell like I ran over a skunk. But I'm so high that I don't give a fuck. Maybe it's the trees up in the blunt. Maybe someone really stepped on a duck. Stinky like reefer when I pull through, pull through. Let everybody breath like boo, 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 boo. I'm true blue, true blue. I'm true grit, true grit. Y'all wanna try a little taste of this new shit? I'm on the train, but I'm off the track. I'm from the bay and I'm off the map. If it's good, good, I'm in this pack. Then bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. Listen, I got them grapes like it's smuckers. Making papers with all my hustlers. Hitting the states with all my brothers. It's the skunk train and I'm the, and I'm the conductor. Skunk train, skunk train. All aboard, all aboard. Skunk train, skunk train. All aboard, all aboard. I love my greens in the morning. I love my greens at night. And if you love your greens just like I do, the skunk train to take you for a ride. Skunk train. Get me so high, feel like an eagle when I'm up in the sky. 
Coming back to the tarmac. Back in the days it was a carjack. How about that? Nowadays I spit raps. Bust on these cats who don't know about the max. Ooh, yeah, I'm on the scene. Laying low, so fresh, so clean. Smoking on some gangster greens. Purple cream from the 415. It's the cannabis king. Got the whole studio smelling like purple. I got the whole studio smelling like purple. I got the whole studio smelling like purple. I got the whole studio smelling like purple. Got the whole studio smelling like purple. I got the whole studio smelling like purple. I got the whole studio smelling like purple. I got the whole studio smelling like purple. Don't mean to break every circle. But right about now we breaking the purple. Come on, come on, come take you a hit. Sit back, get lit, let's count some grits. Let's reap the benefits of holding it down so deep in the mix. What's my name? It's BJG. Boogie Joe the Grinder do it all for a fee. Don't fuck with me, I'm just a PI. Yeah, most of these honeys, they wanna be mine. It's all good though, I'm rolling out. Oh, and I ain't never ever holding out. Not on that drone. Let's smoke. I get sloped in the treehouse, cool with my folks. I got the whole studio smelling like purple. 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 Got the whole studio smelling like purple. I got the whole studio smelling like purple. I got the whole studio smelling like purple. I got the whole studio smelling like purple. which is a terrible movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger movies from the late 90s because then he suddenly became our governor. I have no idea how he dodged all that terrible press from such dog shit movies such as Jingle All the Way in 96. And uh, yeah, it's terrible. Uh, here we go, pulling from the hell hat. Santa versus Jesus. Uh, classic, classic, wonderful sketch by South Park. One of the first things I ever saw from those guys. Uh, Santa versus Jesus, uh, celebrity death match. How wonderful that must have been. Uh, Jesus was born in April. So I'm not, I don't know why Santa, I don't understand Santa and Jesus. Why we don't have to fight. Uh, Jesus loves presents. I, I don't know, Santa versus Jesus. I think that Santa versus Jesus, Lael Gold would win because she's louder than both of them, which is really great right now. That's how that works. That's great. It's not Lael? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, oh, that's right. I know. It's, uh, uh, it's Rose. That's why you would beat Jesus and Santa because you're louder than both of them. Uh, yay. No, it's fine. It's good. But if Jesus and Santa were in a fight, I think that Santa would win because he is much larger. And uh, Jesus, although strong and uh, surly, uh, very sinewy, I always wonder, like, um, not, I mean, I guess I want to talk about Jesus' dick. Uh, lanky guys... <laughs> But it's a thing, like tall, lanky, sinewy guys happen to have large dicks, so they don't have to be tall. For example, I imagine that so the first Spider-Man, um, the first Spider-Man, he's little and t Tom, not Tom, Tobey Maguire, yes, 
Tobey Maguire, I think, probably has a huge dick, right? Because he's short, but he's like lanky. You know what I mean? Like lanky? Okay. Jesus was lanky, so Jesus probably had a big dick. This is where I'm going with that. He's also a Jew. So a big, huge Coke can. Coke can and... Right, I, I, I'm wondering, has there ever been... Well, Santa's fat. He can't even see his dick because his stomach's in the way. Who knows what his dick... He doesn't even know what his dick looks like. Uh, but did you, I... I'm wondering if there's any, like, Jesus fetish porn out there. Does that exist? Like, your savior coming? It does. I don't watch porn. I just imagine that that would be a good one. Jesus versus Santa the porn. Oh, God. Let's not do that. Uh, The real meaning of Christmas, and it's underlined, uh, real. Ah, wow. You know, I believe in the little Christmas lamb that came... No, I don't believe in anything. What is the real... I mean, the real meaning of Christmas is that we are capitalist pigs and we get to buy things for each other yay how many presents did you get did you get coach shoes this year or i don't understand how money works it's just little pieces of paper that float through my hand i'm like oh christmas time what do we do with the money i love this the real meaning of christmas i think that the real meaning of christmas is um popovers and a standing rib roast and the fat goes down and then you put the potatoes in there and they get so crispy Anyone else? Crispy potatoes? Is that the meaning of Christmas? No, that's the meaning of Hanukkah, is latkes. Thank God for the Jews. I'm going to do a new thing with the... I'm really excited about Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah for all the Jews and the Goyim. Everybody, it's great. Uh, but I really, as a pot smoker and as a hash oil just lover, I mean, I understand the story of the Maccabees and there was oil and it wasn't enough oil and it lasted for eight days. And I think that this Hanukkah, I'm just going to smoke hash oil for eight days straight. <laughs> I'm just going to keep it lit, the candle, the whole time. The oil, you thought that it's going to be a vaporizer one, you know, and it, like you think it's done, but you keep smoking off it. You know that one where you're like, it keeps working. You're like, there's nothing in this, but I'm still getting high. This is amazing. It's the eight day. It's the Jew. They should, I can't believe they haven't made like an, a Hanukkah, a special Hanukkah hash oil pen that burns for eight days straight. Yay. Tree skirt. Uh, so my parents were really into Christmas and they really decorated and we always had tree skirts and my favorite thing at Christmas time was to take the tree skirt and tie it around my waist and like turn around in a circle like a flamingo dancer because it was so fluffy and I just, the tree skirt, no one else was bougie, you didn't have a train and a tree skirt, no, no, tree, a tree, it's a skirt you put around the tree, so when you take your tree, when you murder the tree in the forest, and then you take the tree home and you put it in water so that it will last longer and its little pines won't die. Then you have a tree skirt to put around the unsightly water tank that you have the tree in. And then you put the presents on the tree skirt. It's a, it's a very bougie thing. Uh, <laughs> ah, and then you put the train set around the tree skirt. And it's, yeah, uh, it's, we had trains and a tree skirt. Yeah, it was exciting. Hey, John Gallagher. <laughs> I know, I was really rich. My parents, I was so lucky when I was growing up to be a bougie as fuck in Danville right across the way. Yay, so much money, yay. My parents always wanted to be totally fair, and so they always spent the same amount of money on my brother and I for Christmas, and um, one year I was all bummed out because they only spent $500, and all we got was a new ski outfit. Like, all we got was new skis and new boots and a new outfit, and I was like, this is the dumbest Christmas ever. I'm sorry. I grew up in. I'm such a dick. I was. <laughs> I grew up like a bougie little fucktwat. Uh, it's so funny that I'm like a weird communist now. Uh, 
it's just funny. Ornaments, why? I know. Ornaments, why? Why do we buy these weird things? We buy these glass orbs that you can't even smoke pot out of. Like, I would get it. Like, if it was Christmas time and, like, they were hand-blown glass ornaments and you could, like, smoke pot out of them, if they had a use of some kind at all. But we just, like, decorate the corpse of a tree that's just going to rot and then we're all like, oh, yay. And you can't even burn it after. Like, that's the most exciting thing about a tree is, like, when it's all dry, because it just goes, it just goes up like a... Like a Christmas tree, you know, like there's the saying for it, and it's real, because it's. But they don't let you do that on the street. I, I would think. I think that would be. I, I want to move to Mexico. I want to see some fucking trees burning in the streets. They wouldn't actually. They wouldn't do that. They they'd light off fireworks and they'd use the tree f- to make ribs or something. Uh the last. Well, I was just in Mexico. It's. Uh, it's hard to be a Jew at Christmas. Uh there's a good song that's hard to be a Jew at Christmas, isn't it from South Park? Oh, I know, Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh even loves Jews. God, you know, I just love it. He does. I this is this is such a non sequitur, but I'm reading this book by Stephen King called Sleeping Beauties, which is amazing. And one of the characters is a meth head in the beginning, and he has a Mr. Hanky tattoo on his neck. <laughs> Stephen King makes me laugh so hard. I wrote him a letter two weeks ago, and I wanted to interview him. And uh, his, and I put at the end, um, you should try being a stand-up comedian. And his person got back to me, his assistant, and said, um, he's said, oh, he doesn't have time in this new thing, blah, blah, blah. But, and he's, he's planning to keep his day job. But it was funny, because he really is funny. <laughs> no, because she, but she commented on the whole, it was great. She actually read my letter, because I really think he should be a stand-up comic, because he's really funny. Uh, okay, last poll, last poll for me. I don't know. Uh, I should talk more about it. it's being a Jew at Christmas. It's actually it's actually not that hard because you get Hanukkah and Christmas because everyone celebrates Christmas. And so you get the best of both worlds. And the funny thing is that at Hanukkah and everybody complains, oh, all I got was socks one night. Like socks are awesome. <laughs> like kids are such dicks. They don't get holes. I darn my socks. Uh, I can't afford. I can afford string, but I can't afford socks. But like socks are just a bunch of string sewn together. Like isn't that everything? Like isn't just a sweater a bunch of holes sewn together? Like that's all. That's all we're. And if you think about like atoms, like they're even like we're all nothing, right? Because the space between the atoms are. I've been smoking way too much pot. Um, <laughs> Yay! This is a jingle out. Yay! So we sing a little song to start it out, and uh, here's how it goes. If you know how to sing it, sing along. M U T I N Y Comedy Clubhouse Comedy Comedy. Together we will bring our jokes up high, 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 high. Gotta get that vape pen. M-U-T-I-N-Y, Comedy Clubhouse. You wanna come inside my clubhouse? Yay! Yay! Hooray! Thank you all for being here. I'm super excited about the Jingle Hell Hat. Uh, Your first comedian is from far away. Is it LA? Where is it? It's LA. It's a real place where people become actual comics. It's amazing. Things happen, they get on TV and then there's stuff. No, is it not like that? Everyone has a tan and they all Smoke vaporizers and drink seven dollar Heinekens. Is that is that L.A.? Yeah. Okay, good. I'm right. <laughs> um, uh, I'm really excited for her. Her first name is Allie, and is it McInerney? Makovsky. Hey everybody, Allie Makovsky. Yay! Migrating in from out of town Just for the endo and outdo plants. The whole plants fam and the zigzag. Hi, hi. 
I am from Los Angeles, where dreams die right in front of your face. It's a beautiful uh, city, and uh, I recommend no one goes there. It's my hot tip for LA. If you're there, go. It's uh, so I'm here. I was like, oh, I can be somewhere else. I'll do that right now. Um, okay, I'm gonna pick something. What a, an exciting time! If it ain't too, if it if it ain't Phil. What does this mean? What do I do? What do I do? If it ain't to the wrist, it ain't. Oh, I get it. It's about fisting, yeah, because you can't, you don't actually fist. You know, you have to, it's like you're putting in a personal pan pizza. And then you're getting out um, something. I don't know if you want to eat it, I guess. I don't know. I'm not fisting too often these days after my bowling accident, so. I did go bowling. I went uh, I went bowling with this guy that I'm apparently dating now. <sighs> Is anyone in a relationship? Is it good? Are you supposed to enjoy it? Interesting, okay. I think I'm doing something wrong. We went bowling the other day, and I was like, this is fun, but I feel like this is like I'm with my friend, you know? I don't, whatever. <laughs> it's just relationships are weird, and I don't like being vulnerable, and I don't, anyone, someone help me, you know? <laughs> Nutcracker sweet. Am I supposed to be like, um, Am I supposed to be fucking up here? What are these? <laughs> Nutcracker sweet? Okay. Um. Oh, the crown. Oh, okay. Ballet, Christmas, ballet. Um, yeah, I got a lot to say about this, actually. <laughs> I have a lot of uh, hot topics about the Nutcracker suite. That kind of sounds like uh, where Harvey Weinstein was taking women. Want to come back to the Nutcracker Suite? It's weird. Just, I guess, men, uh, there's a lot of men in this room. I see you. Uh, you're not all bad, but um, if you ask me to go to the Nutcracker Suite with you, I uh, will say, what do I get? <laughs> what am I getting from this? Hmm. Okay. Now I see why you said 12. Because you can just really rattle. Okay, what is on Trump's Christmas wish list? I mean, what do you get a man who has everything? Do you think he actually celebrates Christmas? I feel like he'd be like, he'd be like, um, Santa's not real because I, uh, I feel like he would think that he's better than Santa. It's like it's like when the Beatles said that they were better than God or whatever. <laughs> Trump would be like, I'm better than Santa. Do I want to do material? Is that fine? Are people going to not laugh because I'm going against the hat? I guess we'll find out. I uh, will talk about myself now. I guess that's like Trump. 
just talk about myself. Um, I recently cut off all my hair, which I feel like in San Francisco is more like accepted, but in LA it's like, whoa, you're just going to cut off all your hair, all your worth. You're going to do that. And yeah, I did. Uh, And people ask why that's like the hot question. Why'd you cut off all your hair, Allie? Why'd you do it? Did you go crazy? Maybe I did. I didn't go crazy. I don't know. The real reason why I cut off all my hair is because I genuinely thought that I would be less narcissistic. But I was not expecting to look this good. <laughs> Truly a shock. I uh, I get compared to people a lot. That's another popular thing. People will just come up to me and compare me to other people that they think that I look like. And it's never someone that I look like. It's just someone with the same haircut. Like, this person came up to me and was like, Oh my God, you look like the fucking, uh, the fucking... You look like the fucking Home Alone kid. (laughs) What? No one did that to me when I had long black hair. No one was like, you look like the fucking, uh, the girl from The Ring. (laughs) I, uh, I noticed that people treat my haircut like it's an unplanned pregnancy. They're just like, Allie, are you going to keep it? Are you going to let it grow? I have scissors in my car if you want to take care of it. (laughs) Thank you from the booth. (laughs) Uh, I um, just got a job, which is exciting. I just got a job. (coughs) I hate work. I'm going to get fired in like two weeks. I never keep a job. I used to work at this like super pretentious movie theater in Hollywood. It's like a super hot theater. And uh, and my managers called me and they're like, hey, Allie, we're going to have to let you go. You're unprofessional. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I did not know that this was a profession. (laughs) It's my bad. (laughs) I was working at this uh, restaurant once in Hollywood and that's cool, like working at restaurants in Hollywood because celebrities will come in and I love seeing celebrities out in the wild. Like, uh, Like one time Precious came into my work. Yeah, it was either Precious or I was about to bully someone. You can't go up to Precious and be like, hey, are you Precious? No? (laughs) Enjoy your meals. (laughs) One place that I refuse to work at is Starbucks. I think that that is a terrible job because it's just too corporate. They have too many rules, they're strict. Like at Starbucks, I don't know if you've noticed this, but they all have to wear hats. They're required to wear hats. But they don't wear just the standard Starbucks hat. They should, they should just wear standard Starbucks hats. And instead, everyone at Starbucks wants to show their personality, their uniqueness through their hat choices. Like today I went to Starbucks and my barista was wearing a fedora with a feather in it. I don't want to order my drink from Peter Pan. I don't want Chris Angel making my latte. Like, order for Allie. I'm like, thanks. Hey, where'd my drink go? He's a magician. (laughs) Could you imagine walking into a Starbucks and the barista's wearing a top hat? That'd piss me off. Do you think at Starbucks they would call it a venti hat? I think the only reason you should be wearing a top hat at Starbucks is if you're using it to cover your fedora. 
If I wanted uniqueness, I would go to Pete's. Or what's uh what's the popular one? Uh Phil's. Yes, they make it right in front. It's like Chipotle of coffee. <laughs> Both give you explosive diarrhea. It's beautiful. <laughs> Letters to Santa, who came up with that? Letters to Santa, who came up with that? Santa, guys, Santa's coming up with this. What do you mean who came up with that? Santa wants to know what you want. No, parents who uh, have no communication with their children. <laughs> That's who it is. Parents are like, I haven't talked to you this whole year. I have no idea what your interests are. Can you just scribble? Can you draw what you want? I'll guess. What's your name again? Can you write it on the top of the card to Santa? Not a lot of Santa documentaries on Netflix. <laughs> what do we know about this guy, you know? Making a Christmas giver, like making a murderer, but Christmas, I don't know. Santa's probably killed someone during his roots. Going down a chimney, sneaking in a house. You know, kids are excited. They're probably sleeping right by the chimney. Big fat Santa just stepping on them. Who knows? He's a bad guy. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Santa's probably a bad guy. I love those. Uh, this is a great segue into a joke I planned. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I do enjoy watching murder documentaries on Netflix because that is all they put out now. And I love it. It's great. I binge it. I'm like, I want a murder. Um, it's always men. And uh, and it's like, it's about time they get the spotlight they deserve, you know. Sorry, guys. <laughs> just gonna I just suddenly become a radical feminist. Uh, all men die. Um, why did I do that? I, um, I did notice, though, there's always this part in a murder documentary where, where they'll interview someone in the, in the murderer's family, and they all say something like this. There's always this part where the family member says, like, I, I, I never saw it coming. He would never kill a fly. He would never hurt a bug. And I'm like, that's how you know he's a psychopath. <laughs> he's just chill with bugs. With this guy that I'm dating, if if he's at my place and there's a spider in my room and I'm like, hey, babe, can you kill that spider? Suddenly I get a high voice. Hey, babe, can you kill that spider? If he says no, I'm going to be like, oh, are you saving your energy to murder me? <laughs> Is that what's happening? Uh, San Francisco's cool. I like New York a lot. I like New York a whole lot. It's fun. I was excited to go to New York for the first time because I'm a huge fan of Law & Order SVU. It's such a good show. Anyone else? No? Yeah, great. I was so excited to go to New York, and I was not disappointed. I was starstruck everywhere I went. I was walking down the street just like, someone was raped here. <laughs> Season 3, episode 15. Also, every episode... It's a really weird pattern. When I was little, I thought Special Victims Unit meant, like, we're victims, but we're special. <laughs> Turns out if you're a victim, the last thing you want to be is special. <laughs> just want to be a regular, run-of-the-mill victim. I don't know. I've been watching Law & Order ever since I was a little girl. I feel like it's a great show, but it did desensitize me to sexual assault. 
It did. Like, like for example, like sometimes I don't even say yes to sex. I'll just be like, dun dun. <laughs> My safe word is in a criminal justice system. <laughs> Okay, guys, thank you. Now we're looking for the roach. And it was hanging out of my lips. Do they have Christmas versions of SVU? Like where they all, where there's like a Christmas tree? They've got to have like a special, they must do one every year. Like dun dun. <laughs> With the little trees and the lights and how fun. Yay! Your next comedian, what a hilarious young man this is uh it's hanukkah time i hope that he gets everything he wanted uh you you remind me of a young adam sandler but better looking than no you said both have brown hair it's okay i'm really still really high put your hands together everybody for ian levy people used to say marijuana you got your shit oh boy hey you want to buy some bump People, people always say, uh, because of my last name and my face, uh, they, they point out I'm Jewish. Uh, like, I'm, I'm not really, I usually tell, I mean, my dad is Jewish, my mom is not, which makes me, I always tell people, I'm not really uh, a Jew or Jewish, I'm more just Jewy. It's just kind of a little bit, because people don't like me, so. <laughs> okay. um, uh, who is don't want to see at Xmas? Who it is? Uh, who do you don't want? No, I don't care. Uh, who do you, you want to see at uh, Xmas? A Jew. Okay. <laughs> As, uh, uh, who do I, don't I want to see? Um, actually, my father, probably. <laughs> He's a nice man. I like my dad. Uh, but he is Jewish. And he thinks uh, Hanukkah, or Christmas is very commercial and a sellout. Like my, I was in my family. I was actually the last person to find out uh, Christmas wasn't real. Uh, I was the middle child. Um, that which is if you I don't know if you know how numbers work, but I it, usually it goes in order. But my uh, my sister figured out the normal way, uh, and then my brother asked our Jewish father. He said, "Dad, is Christmas real?" And my or he said, "Is Santa real?" And my dad said, "No." <laughs> uh, and then my mom just forgot I existed. So then she gathered the family together and said, "Now that we know Santa isn't real," and I just had to go like, "What?" Like it's just very play it off like I knew what I was talking about. It hurt, <laughs> that still hurts. Okay. Um, uh, your special tradition. Uh, special tradition, I got um, for uh, Hanukkah, uh, we would do Hanukkah, uh, but we'd only, it was like a commercialized version, and we would just get uh, a Tintin book every year. We got one, one gift. Um, that was it. It's not that funny, but <laughs> it's true. I got Operation one year. Uh, I don't really have any crazy, wacky, special traditions for Christmas. My family's really boring. That's everyone always says, like, oh, I want to, you know, oh, our family is is gonna go, gonna go argue with the family or talk or get mad. But my family, they're all just quiet liberal people who agree with each other. So it's like, <laughs> it's th like it's not Thanksgiving. No one yells. No one. We just like go like they should do something about climate change, and then. <laughs> nothing it's not exciting it's it's actually really really boring no one really drinks not much happens um 
I'm trying to get better at stand-up comedy. I'm trying to get better. I don't know if you guys know in this room, but the way you get good at stand-up comedy is you go to a lot of open mics and you practice your jokes. And I've recently found a lot of open mics that no other comics go to. That's these places called uh, karaoke. Right? Uh, uh, and you just go with your hot five minutes of jokes uh, and you pick the quietest song on the roster, uh, which is Cat Stevens' Father and Son. Uh, and then you just let the first few bars play and it goes like, buh, 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 buh. It's not time to make a change. Then I come out and go, like, you guys ever seen a penis before? That's fucking <laughs> hilarious every time. <laughs> so that is how my comedy is going. Die Hard, great Christmas movie or the greatest Christmas movie? Um, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what you want me to. Uh, uh, that, that's uh. Uh, it's fine. I um, My parents were strict with watching uh, violent movies. I was desperate to watch violent movies. Uh, but I also had an intensely guilty conscience. So when my friends asked me if I wanted to go watch, this is how I saw Die Hard the first time. Uh, all my cool friends were like, yeah, let's watch Die Hard on uh, VHS because it was uh, a mold. And then... <laughs> Uh, and I called my mom to ask if I could. So that was my first I, I called. Uh, yeah, and then another day we watched uh, Enemy at the Gate, and there was like the sex scene in the sleeping bag, uh, and I left the room, because I was like, mom would not approve, and that is my, because I am a good, I, I stood by the bathroom for like five minutes, it felt awkward, and when I came back in, uh, it was weird, and I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. Um... What are you getting for Christmas? Um, what am I getting for Christmas? Uh, it, it, less and less. Um, it, it, I w my my young self would be so just. I used to get like video games and you know comic books and cool stuff. And I think this year I asked for Tupperware, so it's uh, pretty disappointing. It's not. I'm I'm at the point where I need practical things. Uh, I need uh, health insurance, so. That's that's what I need. I'm not getting it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh uh the Christmas pageant I was in that one time. Um I uh I've never been in a Christmas pageant. Uh I'm not a fan. I just take a strong stance against pageants uh so much so I've never even watched Miss Congeniality. So that's how that's my hot take on pageants. I don't really know much. Uh uh, Donald Trump owns a pageant. Um, a better comic would have some connection there and make a joke. So, um, uh, but I'll, I'll I can transition smoothly into some material. So, uh, 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 a reality star president. That's got to be the craziest thing I've heard uh, since Carpenter God. Hot take. I'm coming for you, Trump. <laughs> Um, uh, I am so hungover. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't have much to, to add to this one. Um, I'm hungover a lot at work. Uh, I, I, uh, things are actually going pretty well for me. I work at a cafe. I work at a cafe. I recently, uh, got a nickname at work. That's cool. The cooks at the cafe I work at, they primarily speak Spanish. Right, and they recently nicknamed me uh, the handsome man, ah, which apparently in Spanish uh, is pronounced puta. So that is, I am feeling 
Very good about that. Very, things are looking up for old Ian. So that is, yeah. Um, talking for four hours uh, to people you don't. Talking for four hours to people you don't. No, thank you. I don't know. I don't, uh, am I burning through these too fast? Should I do more? I, I don't, um, uh, actually, if we're talking to people, we get to, uh, you know what, I, uh, do you guys think there's, there's difference between generations? I'm going to see my grandmother this Christmas. That'll be good. Do you guys think there's a difference between, like, experiences our generation has, older generations have had? I, my grandmother actually recently told me this story. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. She said, uh, when she was eight years old, her mother loaded her and her siblings onto a bus and they left Oklahoma, which was the only home they'd ever known, uh, and they came to California, and they left to escape the Dust Bowl, right? And when my uh, grandmother, the first thing she did when she got to California was she ran out of the car and ran inside and flushed the toilet because she'd never seen an indoor toilet before. Right? And when my grandmother told me this story, uh, it just made me say, Grandma, will you please shut up? I'm trying to use my VR goggles. Your toilet, I have a bidet. Your toilet story is unrelatable, you dumb bitch. And then I, it just doesn't connect. It doesn't, it's different. It doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, tinsel and lights. Um, we didn't really, in my house, we didn't really do much. We had, uh, we didn't really put up a lot of tinsel or lights or anything. Um, uh, because I, I think uh, we just had a, uh, a plastic Christmas tree that we would just drag out and stick uh, in the house, and it wasn't it wasn't that exciting, really. I think it it comes with again uh, a, a Jewish funny dad who's just sarcastic about everything and won't help with anything, uh, which is why my parents are now happily divorced. So um, yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> Is my, my dad actually got uh, recently got married. Uh, we can clap for my dad. My dad got married, right, to a woman who's, it's kind of a funny story, actually. My dad got married to a woman whose name, right, her name is a, not my mom! So uh, things are going very well. Uh, uh, I've been reading up a lot about feminism recently, right, because I think it's important to know your enemy. So that's, I'm on to you women. As you guys, should we just be real first? Do you guys want to know what I hate about women? Though I just hate, I, I don't want to generalize, but I hate when women do this, right? Uh, I hate when women, okay? I hate when women uh, divorce my dad and ruin Christmas and Hanukkah. He's a good man, woman. Just stop ruining the family, please. Uh, last one, sure. I, uh, teen mom births baby in a barn. Uh, fake news. I don't know. Is that a, is that a hot take? Um, uh, I can. Uh, I'll just end on a, a, a hot take, I guess. Um, are you guys? Are you guys uh, happy? Are you guys happy with your? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, th I, I, I'm, I'm maybe happy. Uh, I've had chances in my life, I think, to be. To be happy, maybe I haven't pursued them as much as I could have. I did actually once generally have a woman who wanted to uh, run away and get married with me. Yeah, she did, and I had to tell her, uh, no, I can't. I have to stay behind and keep my job on the melon farm. 
Yeah. Uh, in other words, I can't elope. So, uh, I can't elope. So, uh, you guys, other comics in the audience, that's how it's done. So I'm just, okay, yeah. Thank you very much. Give it up for Pam Benjamin. We on fire and they can't put it out. Green Levy, hooray! Yay! Uh, I got to go back, and before you leave, I got to give you your treat. Yeah. Um, your next comedian. What a lovely human being. This is uh, coming up on January 6th. You should buy your tickets now for the F-bomb. F-bomb? F-train. F-train bomb. F-bomb comedy train. They're renting. He's renting an a old-timey streetcar and putting a keg on it because it's legal to drink on a train. <laughs> we can't drink here, but we can drink on a train. It makes no sense. It makes, I don't know. It's going to be great. But uh, you can buy your tickets now. It's only $25. It's a two-hour train ride drinking comedy experience what a deal go to f-bomb comedy train brown paper tickets look it up but right now you guys get to experience him during the jingle hell hat put your hands together for marty cunny let's dance let's, let's get right into this thing angels angels Pam, you're a Bible scholar. Isn't it weird that angels are, uh, as they are described in the Bible, are fucking terrifying? <laughs> angels aren't. So as described in the Bible, the angels we think of come from, like, fucking people that wanted to paint, like, cool-looking, like, Greek gods. But they're like, oh, no one does that anymore, so we'll make them Christian. Actual angels are fucking terrifying. Uh, one of them is just a ring of eyes. That's one host of angels. It's literally just a ring of eyes. Uh, another one is, uh, it's one eye in the middle of six wings collected around it. So it's just a big flying eye with six wings. And, and we opted for fucking bullshit, like, cosplayers with, like, wings. Like, this is, we could have had way cooler angels is what I'm saying. Like, imagine, like, if you were told, like, be good or a fucking angel's gonna come get you, like... That's way more scary than like some old Zeus looking dude. Like, fuck that. Gingerbread man. I think that's probably the best. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of my favorite like themed horror movie based on a holiday. And I think the, uh, the gingerbread man one is, is it. Do you know which one I'm talking about? John, no, you, what is it? It's not called gingerbread man though. The Ginger Dead Man. Uh, two or three, I can't decide which one's my favorite. There are so many good ones. Uh, there's one, I don't know how to describe this to you, but there's a Thanksgiving one there where there's a scene where a killer turkey rapes a woman. And it is fucking hilarious. He like He's like talking shit like a black dude the entire time. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And someone's like, yeah, it was like, uh, I can't remember the name of that one. I bet if you search turkey rape, though, you'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just here to, I'm just here to fuck up your Google history. <laughs> All right. 
Roast squirrel on a stick or microwave possum? I mean, you can't be open flame, guys. <laughs> I said, how is this even a question? And plus, how are you even sure if that possum's dead? You're just going to have that thing running around scratching the inside of your microwave. It's already fucked up enough in there. I already got chili from three years ago stuck in the corner that I can't get out. I don't know, though. Every time I see them, like, eating, like, in a movie, there'll be, like, a bunch of cowboys up on the campfire, and they'll be, like, eating off of, like, a skewer with a squirrel on it. I'm like, where the fuck is the meat on that thing? Because if... I don't know. It's like, I feel like as soon as you bite into it, you're immediately into its, like, intestines. Then you're just eating, like, a fucking pile of shit out of a squirrel. Like... How fucking desperate are you? Eat some bark or something. I don't know. Guess I'm not a cowboy. Eggnog. Oh, man. The most tempting yet destructive way to get drunk. I mean, I've done a lot of things. I've drinking, I, I drink almost exclusively Keystone Ice in college, which if you didn't know, is um, A... Uh, Pam, you were saying earlier, you, you're talking about the light stuff, but I actually did my homework and I found out that Keystone Ice is the most efficient price to calorie to alcohol ratio beer there is out there. Uh, second is Guinness, oddly enough. But uh, no, Keystone Ice is 5.9%. Uh, I like to call it the Black Death because it is. Um, but eggnog, it's like a, it's like of a white Russian and then you just put a fucking egg in it. Like... <laughs> Who the fuck thought that was a good... I mean, I love it. It's delicious, but it, you feel like you're dying after you have about three of those. Is that me? I was high, but not farting. I don't remember high. Uh, train set. When's the last time someone got killed by getting hit by a train? Has that phased itself out yet, or are people still fucking that retarded? Well, yeah, okay. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, like when they got almost got hit and stand by me. Like, does that still happen? Is that still a thing? I feel like we should be past that by now. I mean, I feel like we're not losing. I, I, is there some like alternate universe where some kid who got hit by a train like cured cancer? Like, I don't fucking think so. Like, if you got hit by a train, that was the extent of your life. Like, that is where that timeline ended. I don't know, unless it was on purpose. Then it also is where your timeline ended. Um, I'm going to leave that <laughs> Flocked trees. For when you just weren't sure if your house was going to catch on fire this holiday season. I, uh, is that, that's, a, that's what I'm talking about, right? Is all the fucking bullshit fakes know on trees? That's what a flocked tree is? Yeah. What is it? It's got to be the second holiday cause of house fires next to uh deep frying turkeys which uh i don't know if you guys have done that but as the fucking best way to cook a turkey and also make it taste like peanuts at the same time you get the full filipino experience um that's yeah, great and then you like try to roast a bunch of like deep fry a bunch of like oreos and reese's peanut butter cups but you don't know how to and so you just end up with a big vat of boiling chocolate and grease and then you hurt yourself because you're really high and you try to eat that. And it burns the inside of your stomach. <laughs> and then you have indigestion for about three weeks. No one does that? No one else? <laughs> Never mind. Uh, I thought holidays were supposed to be about universal experiences, guys. Bringing us together. God bless us, everyone. 
which was repeated by the least blessed person in that story. Um, literally, the whole story was about how, like, everyone else around Scrooge was a fucking punching bag and was basically pieces of dirt, and he was the biggest piece of dirt of all. Uh, and he's, the, like, the most optimistic one at the end, which is supposed to be a nice story, but it really isn't, because that kid is... This is like, what is this, like 18th, 19th century England? His legs aren't ever getting better. That kid's crippled for life. <laughs> what is Scrooge going to give him robot legs? Like, no, the ghost of Christmas future did not help him that much. He just showed him he was going to get die lonely, which is like what most people do anyways. Like, big fucking surprise, ghost of Christmas future. Like, did Scrooge really not know he was going to die alone? Like, <laughs> who the fuck did he think was going to be at his funeral? <laughs> I help cancer patients, but thanks anyway. Ah, a troll. Those damn internet trolls. Really running loose on us these days, huh, guys? Oh, I know what I'll do. You want to go on uh, Facebook to the old Jingle Hell Hat site. Going to give him a real, real curveball. When this guy comes up, he's not going to know what hit him. <laughs> I wish I had that much time in my day. Like, I think that's my biggest advocate for, like, uh, capitalism. If you just put everyone to work, they wouldn't have time to do all this stupid bullshit. <laughs> like, I'm like, I always think that, like, I had a good stint with unemployment. I was like, oh, yeah, it's a good thing I'm, like, forced to work. Because if I didn't, I'd be a huge piece of shit. <laughs> it was devolving quickly. Jingle all the way is a pile of dog shit. Who the fuck wrote that? <laughs> Who the fuck is trying to tear down Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad's opus <laughs> about the days before Amazon? <laughs> what the fuck? That was the greatest movie ever. I think it was like the last movie I think of my childhood I watched that it made like zero sense but I didn't question it the entire time like does this kid really not recognize this Austrian bodybuilder as his dad like, <laughs> like oh it's you like oh fuck we gotta get him glasses <laughs> and hearing aids apparently <laughs> this kid's retarded oh the casualties of the war on Christmas I might have written this, written this one. Yeah. I forget why I wrote it, and that's not good. <laughs> the casualties of the war on Christmas. I mean, what have we lost? <sighs> we lost uh, the Starbucks cups, guys. I don't know about you, but my every time I don't drink coffee, which is every day, uh, I don't give a shit about the Starbucks cups. That was the biggest non-starter of like a like fake news story that like crept into my like news feed and whatever it was like oh people were raging about the starbucks cups i'm like wow people are fucking stupid like that is the dumbest thing i have ever heard you are mad because they like what they put happy holidays what is the fucking so what <laughs> like you think that company isn't run by a bunch of jews like of course they're gonna put happy holidays on it <laughs> It's a major company, and they're not all a bunch of, like, fucking Mormons at the top. Like, 
That's only in Utah, okay? That's only like three companies, and they're very powerful, and we should all respect them. Um, all right, like that was my last poll. I'm going to leave it on Jews are on top. <laughs> SFC, the place where I was born and raised. Can you say first? Marty Cunny, everyone. Yes, a true American hero. This Christmassy awesomeness. Uh, your next comedian, what an awesome guy he is. He uh, is part of the OMG family over there, running open mics on Tuesdays and Sundays and all kinds of days. Uh, he's hilarious, and I'm excited to see what he pulls out of the the jingle hell hat. Put your hands together for John Gallagher. I'll be somewhere in Frisco doing shizzo. I'm in for free at the All right, cool. Getting high and mutiny, baby. I love it. Good start of my Christmas. Let's go in for this very first poll. Ah, what are we getting? Ooh, and a true, true tree. A true treat, I should say. Oh, we got a good one. We got a doozy out the gate, guys. How about this mistletoe mishaps, huh? Oh, I think Harvey Weinstein and a few people have had a few of those, right? It's nice to always bring up mistletoe mishaps and the the lights of se- sexual allegations. It was like that's like a weird thing that that gave like some drunk uncle just carte blanche to go and like assault and molest everybody around him, right? He's like, "There's a plan here. You're gonna tongue fuck uh, Uncle Ricky now." <laughs> that's, so you're getting cornered, baby. Uh, here you go. Like that's just such a it's such a bad strategy. Like, it, like I, I don't know. Like I think that was like one they just like tacked on later. It seems like so vat and Vatican like and like corrupt. It's like well, it's like you're going into the corner. We got to. It's like you have to do this now. There's a plant here. You're gonna listen to me. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna kiss me now. I don't know. Um, man, isn't the isn't Christmas cool. I love it, dude. I'm excited to go do Christmas this year. Okay. Uh, oh, shit. Look at this. Bad fruitcake? Guys, who's ever eaten a fruitcake before? Yeah, like, yeah. This is. I remember watching Pee-wee's Playhouse Christmas special. You guys, did you guys, anybody else watch that shit? That fucking w- rule, dude. As a kid, fucking, that was like one of the big gags in that is that he gets all these fruitcakes and like everybody's like, ha ha, fruitcake tastes like shit. And I was like, what the fuck? Sounds amazing. What is fruitcake? I've never seen this in my life. I'm like 10 years old wanting to find fruitcake. And Pee Wee Herman's shitting on him. Like, I can't just buy into this. I'm a young lad. I need to form my own opinions, you know? You can't just trust a 45-year-old man in a suit and a red bow tie for everything, right? Like, he told you to vote for Donald Trump, would you listen to him? <laughs> Probably. I don't know. He's got a cool bike. I don't know. Pee Wee Herman, man. I'm into it. Bad fruitcake, though. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think there's ever good fruitcake after eating it. It's like not too delicious. It's pretty weird. It's like, uh, I don't even know what the fuck. What kind of fruit do they even have in it? It's all bad, man. Yeah, dude. All right. Jingly hat. A jingly hat. Oh, fuck. How about this one, guys? SantaCon. Anybody else participate in SantaCon? Yeah, did you? Uh, yeah? <laughs> it's an excuse to go get drunk, right? And get to go dress up like a, a drunk old Irish white guy and run around and cause cause problems. Yeah. Yeah, exa- I mean, exactly. Like, what else are just uh, our very presence in the mission? It's kind of like our SantaCon every single day, right? We're just destroying San Francisco. One little gentrification. Well, I guess this isn't gentrification as much. It's pretty cool. Just uh, whitening up every place, being destructive. Uh, I, I fucking, man, bar crawls 
I can't do them anymore. I fucking hate it, dude. It's fucking the shittiest thing in the world. Just fighting people for drinks, like... And there's also just something about seeing, like, two uh, two Santas, like, projectile vomiting, another Santa's, like, open-mouth tongue-kissing. It's just, like, this looks like a weird part of a nightmare, right? It's like you're you're peeking into some horrible... It's like it's like kind of happy Folsom, but not really. It's like even more nightmarish Folsom Street Fair. It's like, ah, there's, there's no leather, but it's worse somehow. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There is. Oh, yeah, there's leather. Yeah, it's like on a, like a reindeer's or, you know, if you want to be like cool leather daddy Santa Claus. Leather daddy Claus. That'd be that'd be cool, you know? That's like, why? That, that needs to be like a fan fiction thing. Leather daddy Claus. That's cool. That's a cool one. Be a good alter ego. Um, man, I'm trying to think of what else you want to do with SantaCon. I, uh, I don't know, man. In real life... I don't know if you want to ever have, like, if you have, like, that many Santas just all around each other, that'd be a little weird experience, right? Like all, I don't know where I was going with that. Whatever. Got this big old thing. Big old bells. Ba-dee-ba-doop-boop. Oh, man. Work parties. Should anybody have any good holiday work parties coming up? Or anybody? Yeah? No? Oh, yeah? How? Where was that? Oh, that's cool. Look at that. I like that. What'd you bring? Nice. Get some delicious salmon. The spirit of Christmas. The fish. <laughs> the fish is the spirit of Christmas. I went, actually, I went, to, I had to go to my girlfriend's work party uh, last week. Fucking, one of these startup things are fucking ridiculous. Like her company, uh, Book City Hall. Fucking, so just four levels of just free booze. By the way, if you're ever around City Hall and you see, like, events going on, you can just walk inside. You know that? Like, you can just walk in and nobody gives a shit. You can just go and drink all these guys at the table for free. But it's just four different levels of food and booze. And just, like, there was, like, a jazz band playing at people, all different kind of music and stuff. Like, that's the thing about political buildings. It's like always there's, you know, you have a, a good idea of who to blow up, right, at all times. Like, always the worst people are inside all political buildings at all times. Like, if there's not this party with, like, tech dickheads there, then there's politicians. You can blow them up. That's fine. That's kind of one of the cool things, like, with Guy Fox Day. is like, Guy Fox Day is, like, the British, uh, like, the British uh, July 4th. But they're celebrating, like, trying to, a guy who, like, was trying to blow up Parliament. Like, that's, there's, like, a whole holiday. But they like, it's about killing that guy. But it's still cool that that's, like, a thing. Like, we don't have a day for John Wilkes Booth, you know? Like, it's just... You know, that'd be, that'd be sick, though. It's like celebrate John. I mean, like, is that, fuck, it's just still so mind-blowing. John Wilkes Booth, when murdered the president, he was like the biggest actor. That was like the fucking, it's like watching John, it's like Brad Pitt just went and fucking shot Trump. Like, that's, that's tight. Like, it's what, that's so funny. And he's just like, ah, and he quotes like a play. And he thought he's so cool. And then other people are like, ah, he's a prima donna. He like, he quoted Quoted Julius Caesar, right? It's like what he's like. I, even when he's like doing the most baller shit, he's like still like acting theater. Like he's just, like he's still just a fucking nerd, you know? <laughs> it's, like, it's like just assassinate the president, be cool, dude. Come on. <laughs> that would be cool if like the guy who played Sheldon just murdered Trump and then quoted the Big Bang Theory. Like that'd be. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> He's just like, mm, or like fucking Zoe Deschanel turns into like an assassin and goes like, adorkable. You're like, whoa, this is fucking metal. <laughs> 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 
This is the most awesome shit I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, man. Charlie Brown Christmas, dude. Fuck yeah. I love that shit, man. Uh, fucking Charlie Brown was like the coolest guy. I was, I was bummed out. Ch- Charles Schultz's house got burned down in that fire. So we missed like all these... All these Charlie Brown extra things, you know, all these cool Peanuts extras. Like, Peanuts, like, they were cool and they're fun for nostalgic reasons, but, like, I feel like every Peanuts thing was, like, the law of diminishing returns. Like, it is like Garfield, right? It's like the more you go, you're just like, what do I, this is, like, a, 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 a man is writing these. And it's like, ha, ah, Garfield hates Mondays. It's like three pounds. You're like, this is his life, you know? What a fucking shitty thing to devote your life to. Like I don't, I don't know if you guys were like me. When I was a kid, I wanted to like do comic strips, like in the paper and stuff. And then you just realize like how fucking terrible they all are. Like they're all so fucking bad. And there's just like like I j- it just still just blows my mind how popular fucking Garfield is. That's what I always think about. Just like people are devoted to like it's just this weird <laughs> cat that hates Mondays. I don't know. I'm just thinking about Garfield now. Just, I'm really thinking about it. Actually, you know what the funniest thing is? Like, you know, we know th- we know three things about Garfield. Why he hates he's a cat. He hates Mondays. Loves lasagna. I had somebody get one of the Garfield facts wrong at me a few days ago. Like somebody was like, "No, Garfield. He's like a fish that hates spaghetti." You're like, "What? What the fuck?" <laughs> it's like, like he loves it. <laughs> it was so weird to me. All right, uh, that's how I know I'm high. All right, ah. Uh, Keeping going. Doo-doo, oh, got two. Shit. Oh, I saw this one already. Okay. Oh, fuck. I never did this one either. What is a white? Well, I don't know. Actually, I have, don't know, know what this is. I think I got this wrong. What's the white elephant gift game, guys? Do you know what that is? Yeah, yeah. I'd love it. So. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, yeah, So it's like kind of like an office key party. <laughs> it's, just, it's like you just go and... <laughs> no, that's not like that at all. I thought it would be funnier. <laughs> no, I, I know. Uh, yeah, I've never, I never had to do that. Like, what do you get... Like, it, it's so weird to, like, think of the idea of, like, going over the line with, like, a white elephant, like a, like a weird extravagant gift. Like, if you go and have, like, you know, like a racist joke book to, like, somebody, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> this is... Like, kind of shit. <laughs> just. <laughs> it's like you get, you like, you have like a thing with like, I don't know, like all up poo stuff from The Simpsons. <laughs> like, your one Indian coworker gets you like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's just. And they're like, wait, why did I buy this in the first place? Like, why is this even a thing I bought? I don't know. Like, <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm trying to think like what a wacky gift would be, like, just in the right context. Like, right? Like when you get like one of those fake peanut brittle things that like has the fake snakes pop out. Ah, gotcha! Christmas prank. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Um. All right, last one, guys. Cookie swap. I feel like this is cookies trading cookies. <laughs> what? Is that is that true? I've never. I don't. I feel like I'm learning all this shit. <laughs> Like my family just, you know, we just we just do the regular holiday stuff. You quietly resent each other and fucking you sit there and just are like, why are we doing this? And people are just around like drinking cocoa and j- trading cookie recipes. Um, I've never had a yeah, I don't think I have a cookie worth trading. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I don't think I bring much to this fight. Like I think maybe maybe I could do a chocolate chip. 
<laughs> like a weed weed cookie weed cookie swap um oh man what a what a cool way to go out it was just like yeah I'll just I'll just do it befuddled boom I'm done thanks <laughs> This is California. Man to the drop. Where you can catch a case without getting caught in everybody. John Gallagher, yay! Yay! So a cookie swap is when you make like six dozen cookies or eight dozen cookies, and everybody makes eight dozen cookies, and then you go get one dozen. So like you make eight dozen chocolate chip cookies, and someone else makes eight dozen you know, gingerbread cookies, and then everybody gets a dozen that's different, so you don't have to eat the same fucking Christmas cookies through Christmas, right? But then you also don't have to make, like, 12 different types of... I, I, I made a lot of cookies as a kid, so... I mean, I'm, I'm really into... Checkerboard cookies. There's this one Martha Stewart cookie where you, like, layer it with different colors, and then you slice it, and it's amazing. I fucking love that shit. Um, yay! Christmas time! We're at the Jingle Hell Hat! Yay! Your next comedian. What a wonderful lady. You guys are gonna laugh so hard. As she pulls things from this hat. Put your hands together for Evelyn Erie Diamond. Yeah. Thomas watched the game from up top. This is California. Man to the drop. Where you can catch a case without getting caught in everybody. That was a long walk. So thank you for the music. Appreciate it. Uh, by the way, my favorite white elephant get well, first of all, I want to say that I used to think that the white elephant thing, that you actually got a fucking white elephant. And I was like, that is awesome. I'm waiting for them to make the mini elephants. Wouldn't that be so fucking cool? Like a like a three foot elephant, right? You just you wake up and you're just like, you know what I mean? And you're just like, okay, I'll feed you. Like just awesome, right? That would just be awesome. But no, my favorite white elephant gift is actually a box of tampons. I love that. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. And if a guy gets it, you just go. Well, I guess you got to get a girlfriend now, huh? So, okay, let's get to the. Good shit. Sugar Plum Fairy. That's a great stripper name. Okay, behind the music, the North Pole's Santa's Elf boy band. Where are they now? Oh, you guys hear about this? Yeah, did you hear about this? This was, uh, hold on, I gotta think of a good name. There's gotta be a good name. You guys, I'm open for suggestions. Give me a good name of this elf, Santa's Elf boy band, come on. Come on. Come on. The helpers? Okay. That's all right. It's more that's more of an indie band though. It's not really like a boy band kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. What like one direction and the jingle bells? All right. The stocking stuffers. I like that, and then they could also uh, be strippers, too, later on. In fact, that's where they are now. Um, <laughs> they made a troupe, and uh, that's what they do now. They strip, and um, down to their shoe bells, bell shoes. So there you go. That's what that is. <laughs> oh, no, this is, this is hard. No, I'm just kidding. It's not hard. I love this kind of shit. <laughs> Three murders, silver ball corpses. Wait, I'm sorry. I have my finger over it. Tree murders. It's tree murders. Sorry. I saw tree murders, silver ball corpses. Okay. This is a great segue into my favorite story. So I, I personally do not get a fresh Christmas tree every year because I think it's fucking murder. Okay? This is what 
yeah, call me a hippie. I don't fucking care. Okay, I have a I have a plastic tree I put up every year. And let me tell you my story. This is what I imagined in my head. You're on the Christmas tree farm. You're a Christmas tree, right? You're like, oh my God, here comes farmer. Hey guys, farmer's coming. Hey farmer. Farmer's awesome, right, you guys? He loves us so much, you know? You notice how he takes such good care of us. We love farmer. Hey farmer, what's going on, farmer? How are you? Hey farmer, what are you doing to Jerry? Hey farmer, oh God, what are you doing with that saw? No farmer, no, no, farmer, no. You know what, it's okay, Jerry was kind of an asshole. We didn't like Jerry, nobody really liked Jerry, right? No, 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 no. And then just starts killing them one at a time until it is a terrible murder. And that's, I know it's not funny, but it's the truth. I didn't know that. No, I really feel that way. I feel like it's murdering trees my god this is so long little christmas wait little, <laughs> little christmas lamb little christmas lamb friend so true little christmas lamb little christmas lamb i love you who is this too <laughs> who's this who's this too so who eats lamb at christmas anybody <laughs> eat lamb at christmas I love you because you're delicious. No, you know, my, uh, my, my husband actually grew up on a farm, and he had a pet goat named Blackie, and his uncles ate him. And it's not funny. That's just terrible, too. I just thought, oh, this isn't the funny part of the show. This is, <laughs> this is the, r- I'm bringing you real Christmas right now, okay? This is what it's really all about. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Hold on. Got two. Hopefully one's funny. Christmas, is that short for, oh, Xmas, is that short for Christmas? Yes. Absolutely. Because some of us didn't know that it was Christ Mass, even though some of us went to Catholic school. And and Xmas is like X-Men, but different. Okay. Something else. I don't know. You know, when I was a kid, I had an uncle who told me that there was a Santa, but that he got old and he died. So that's 100% true. <laughs> um, birthdays on Christmas. Anybody have a birthday on Christmas? I think that sucks. I think that if you have a birthday on Christmas, that they should have named you Jesus. So I think that's the right thing to do. So I guess I could just do material, but I don't know if it would even be as funny. Worst present ever, I would say a box of tampons. That's what I would say. Unless you like them. <laughs> you moaned. You moaned. So it's funny. I was, I was making great jokes. Everything that you pulled, John, <laughs> in my head. <laughs> I'll stuff your stocking. Okay. So, um, Anybody seen any, like, Christmas-themed pornos? Because I think that right here we got I'll Stuff Your Stocking. And it was, um, I think the stocking stuffers were in it, weren't they? Joe? (laughs) 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 Okay. Okay. Oh. Elmo indicted for sexual harassment. Yeah, so I can't do a good Elmo impression, and uh, but I assume. No, see, this is really sad. 
I find this really sad because I think that um, I don't think that the guy who got in trouble, who actually was the Elmo puppet guy, used Elmo when he was actually doing the bad things that he was doing. I really hope that wasn't the case. But it sure is a good opening way to do it, huh? <laughs> Isn't he soft? Oh, Elmo's so soft. Elmo likes touching breasts. Oh, breasts are so soft. <laughs> Show Elmo where you were touched. Oh. It's turned dark. Sorry, I didn't mean to I didn't mean to bring it down. I like to use my sexy voice. Oh. Dad, another dead hooker in the trunk. Who are your friends on Facebook? <laughs> Dude, what is wrong with your friends on Facebook? Are these trolls? Dad, another dad hooker in the trunk. You know, <laughs> couldn't you have wrapped her for me? <laughs> Why? <laughs> what if you have an SUV? <laughs> Your favorite Christmas movie. Okay. My favorite Christmas movie is that new Crumpus Not movie. Have you guys seen that? Oh my God, so good. Everybody fucking dies. And then even the people that die that you're like, dude, why'd they kill the kid? He was nice. They all come back. Oh, I won't tell you the end. They, they all die. That's all I'll tell you. No, but it's so good. It's scary and it's got creepiness, but it's so Christmassy at the same time. It's terrific. <laughs> hey, Ivanka, what are you getting Trump this year? Um, I assume it's Viagra, honestly. I do. I know it's terrible. It's terrible that we always assume that um, Ivanka is fucking her dad, but I think it's pretty obvious that that's <laughs> what's happening. Because he's definitely not fucking his wife because she wouldn't have that terrible scowl on her face. <laughs> or maybe she would. Okay, I'm Mary Diamond. Thank you. We finish. Super scum. Hollis Hope. Granddaddy. Purple Kush. Northern Rice. Cherry Pie. Mary Diamond. Yay! We're down to our last two comedians. I'm so excited about your next comedian. He's such a funny guy, and I'm so excited that he's here tonight for you. You still, you guys are all still doing that show up at the Cozy Car, right? Yeah, uh, so was it the first Wednesdays of the month at Cozy Car, which is the coolest place because they, like, show porn, like, and 70s porn, and then, like, commercials for, like, Quick, Nestle Quick, like, shit like that. Like, it'll be, like, an easy-bake oven, and then it's, like, hardcore dicks. It's fun. It's a fun place. And you could sit in a van. It's hard to explain, but it's awesome. You should go to his show. Uh, right, right now, you get to enjoy him pulling from the Christmas hell hat. Put your hands together for Zach Giappoloni. Bill Bixby, your boy Boogie Joe. I put in work for days. Right. They call me grinder, all I grind. Get right to it. The candy cane was just discovered, and you're experiencing it for the first time. Joe, you're going to film this? I'm getting the improv one. I'm getting the commercial audition one. I hate it. Like, the acting ones always follow me where it's like, 
it's like a like what is that like pepper and mint fucking <laughs> uh i think like people People appreciated shit way more, you know? Like back in the day, they just there just wasn't enough going on, so I could see some old lady being like, I'll never forget the taste of like the first candy cane. And she could go into like a 20-minute story about the beautiful ribbon of red spiraling down it because it was like all she had to look at. You know what I mean? Like they're just so like, they romanticize everything. Like a maraschino cherry on top of my soda float. I could look at it for days, and we're so like inundated with shit. We're like, yeah, yeah, pipe down, broad. I'm watching this lady do stuff with her feet to some guy. <laughs> like we just, <laughs> this is a movie theater. Shut up. <laughs> I've never been to one of those kind of movie theaters. What did Santa say to Mrs. Santa? I'm leaving you again. Oh. They fuck, right? They don't have kids. Can they not? Not anymore. Miracles? Do they happen up there in the North Pole? I think Santa's doing just fine. Fuck, dude. Everyone's got a bad rap now. He's probably fucking those elves. It's bound to happen. Like, no one's good anymore. It's so sad. If Stevie Wonder comes out as, like, sexually harassing people... I'm going to kill myself. He's like my favorite person. And he could always say he thought it was his wife at the time. <laughs> He's got an out. And I got a bit. <laughs> no, I don't. Silent Night. Oh, oh. so Pam, I didn't know you had like the super like Christian like Christmassy background. You did. I didn't know you were so Christmassy. Like you know all the like cookie trading and the tree skirt. <laughs> Fuck, that's like super Xmassy. I, I, I grew up Catholic, and uh, my Muslim mom was like, not about that shit. <laughs> my, oh, actually, I, like, we would go to Midnight Mass, and we would like sing all the songs, and I had to be an altar boy. And um, one day, my parents tricked my Moroccan uncle into taking me because they didn't want to stay up. And he didn't believe that anyone would have to like, be obligated to like, make a kid go somewhere at midnight. So he's like, what time is this Midnight Mass thing? And it's like, it's at midnight. And he's like, is this a fucking joke? And it was like three hours. It was like three hours of all these rich Marin families and like my one Moroccan uncle in like a leather vest just like sleeping in the back. And he was so mad at me at the end of mass. Like it was my, like I planned midnight mass. And like we sang all the songs that he didn't know the words to, you know, and it's all in Latin and shit. I don't know if we did Silent Night. We might have sang Silent Night. But I remember we got back in the car. He's like, if you ever make me go to like a fucking church thing. I swear to God, I'm going to learn how to fly a plane or something. And I never talked to him after that. Nice guy. Arab dude. Check him out. Moroccans just always fucking bad news. They always find their, s their self in the mix. It's like Moroccans are always, there's a Moroccan guy, I think, who was on 9-11. There was a Moroccan-Italian guy who fucking did a terrorist thing in London. It's like, ugh. And then we're Moroccan-Italian. And my brother is joking that, like, people are like, when did you get, like, do you ever, like, feel like you're Italian? And he's like, yeah, I felt pretty Italian on 9-12. <laughs> he's like, man, mama spaghetti again. <laughs> uh, 
um, ribbons and bow. 